Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts. It's the Brian Lehrer Show on WNYC. Good morning again, everyone. Now we'll continue our Oscar season series of interviews with the creators of the five Oscar-nominated feature-length documentaries. So far, we've met Bobby Wine, a Ugandan pop star turned people's politician, and taken a trip to Tunisia where we met a mother trying to prevent her daughters from joining ISIS in the two nominated films we covered so far. Today, we'll look at the film The Eternal Memory, which follows the relationship of a Chilean couple, Paulina Urrutia and Augusto Congara, as Augusto lives with Alzheimer's disease and Paulina becomes his main caretaker. And there is a political as well as personal angle to this story, as Paulina and Augusto reminisce about Augusto's professional life as a journalist, we bear witness to the collective memories of Chile that Augusto worked so hard to preserve in addition to his personal memories, and we'll have a clip of that as we go from the film. So joining us now is Maite Alberde, director and producer of The Eternal Memory, streaming on Paramount Plus, by the way, if you want to say it, see it. Maite, welcome to WNYC, and congratulations on your Oscar nomination. Thank you very much. So at the top of the film, we're introduced to Pally, who tells Augusto that her job is to help him remember who Augusto Congara was, who he was. So why don't you start there? Who was Augusto Congara and who, who is his wife, Paulina, the other main character in the film? Yeah, the, the film started with that explanation. Uh, he was a very important journalist that during dictatorship, he made clandestine cast to report on everything that was happening in the country and that were not appearing in the official media. And then uh, when Democratic came back, he was the main journalist on the public television that create cultural programs. And she is a very famous and important actress in Chile for theater and television. And she was the first minister of culture that we had in Chile. So this is a story of celebrity, if I can use that word, Alzheimer's disease <laughs> in a family and the intersection between the personal and political. Is it fair to say that? Personal and the national. I think it, it's fair to say that. Uh, and I would say like two persons that in their works and their life really try to work and preserve historical memory. And it seems as a bit paradox that he's losing memory when he tried to preserve it so much. So let me go right to the clip that we have from the film, because much of Augusto's life as a journalist did focus on preserving Chile's historical memory of the dictatorship there. He refers to his news program, Teleanalysis, and his later work directing and hosting a number of public television shows as chronicles 
of Chile's history. He also participated in writing a book called Chile, La Memoria Prohibida. In other words, Chile, The Forbidden Memory. So here's a short clip. It's 13 seconds of Paulina reading a personal note written by Augusto in 1997, located in her copy of his book. This is in Spanish, and then we'll translate it for those of you who don't understand. Sin memoria no sabemos quiénes somos. Sin memoria divagamos desconcertados sin saber a dónde ir. Sin memoria no hay identidad. Translation, without memory we don't know who we are. Without memory we wander confused, not knowing where to go. Without memory there is no identity. And he was talking at that time, I guess in the 90s, about Chile, Chilean, early 90s, early 90s, about Chilean society. And now, tragic irony, here is a man who had so much to say about memory, losing his memory. Yeah, it's it was his book uh, that was called uh, Chile, the, Chile, Chile, the Forbidden Memory. And it's a reflection and a chronic about dictatorship and a reflection about historical memory um yeah in a way like we see a man that it's losing memory but at the same time what i learned with this film it's that at the end there are some things that you never forget that it's why it's called the eternal memory because mm. there are some some historical pains and pains and love that he always remember in spite that he's losing his rational memory. So for example, of course that he cannot say which year was dictatorship, but he can narrate until the end how he lost his friends and what did he feel with that. Ah. So it's a big lesson for me of when we are trying to speak about collective memory, we don't have to narrate only events or dates or numbers, we have to try to narrate the pain and the emotions because you can never erase that even when you are losing memory in this case. Listeners, if there's anybody out there who's seen uh, the film Eternal Memory and wants to comment on it or ask the, uh, the filmmaker, Mighty Alberde, a question, about the eternal memory, 212-433-WNYC, or anybody with connections to Chile who wants to talk about the, the national narratives here, uh, or anyone else, 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692, as we continue with our series uh, focusing on the five feature-length documentaries that have been nominated for an Oscar in this category, a series that we do every year. There, there isn't a point in the film, Maite, where the viewer is made aware of how much time has passed over the course of the filming. So if anything, we can only guess based on Augusto's declining, declining state. So what is the time span of the film, and at what point in... Augusto's illness, did you and your subjects decide to film? Uh, there are five years. Wow. Um, yes, it's a lot. There are two years of my camera, then COVID came, and Paulina, 
shoot it for one year and a half, and then I shoot it one year and a half after pandemic too. So yeah, it's a long process, and I can say we we don't have we don't know the time either because I think in the film it's a twenty five years story. It's like all the relationship on the film, not only the last years, and and I was very lucky to have that, like to find materials of the beginning of the relationship that you can see how they construct, they take care of each other through the time, not only in this specific moment. And on the pure Alzheimer's aspect of the film, the film is incredibly intimate. We get to see Augusto and Paulina experiencing this illness within their own home. She helps bathe him. She soothes him when he's inconsolable. Um, why did they let you capture these private moments? And why do you think they were okay with making them public? Uh, it was very difficult to com convince her to make the film. It took me like a year. And at the end, he was the one that convinced her. And and he said to her and to me in a very clear way, uh, at the beginning of his disease, he said, like, I showed so many people in my life and so many people during dictatorship opened the door to their house, to my camera, to show their pain to me. So why I'm not going to show my own fragility so was super clear and really brave and paulina today said that probably that was his biggest act, act of consequence to decide to pass their last days with a camera and since the moment that they decided and he decided they really opened the doors and and always they were, were always very free with the camera and very comfortable. And well, and as it was so many years of shootings, they really, we, we build a relationship. So yes. they, they feel comfortable with the camera and there are persons that are used to the camera too. So, so I think that they decided to make these chronics of his fragility in a way, yeah. That's one of the main tools, it seems to me, that a documentary filmmaker needs to have, which is to gain the trust. And sometimes it does take a long time, in your case, a very long time, at least a year, uh, and then gradually more over the five-year course of your relationship um, to build trust with your subjects if you're filming something um intimate or challenging, which, of course, uh, great documentaries so often do. Yes, I think that that if documentary filmmakers are in a hurry, it's very difficult to, to build trust. Like, I think that one of the conditions that we have to have as documentary filmmakers is patience, because you need time to build a relationship and you need time also to see how li life develops. Like our life 
do not change in one week and two weeks sometimes like um you need time to see process and you need time to to be the life trans to see the life life transforming so you cannot push that you have to be there waiting for that and also for you as a filmmaker you kind of play with genre a little bit in this documentary I think we can describe it as as you capture Paulina acting in a play inside the documentary in which she is also discussing the theme of memory. And as we hear her words, uh, we're often focused on Augusto's face. You show his face as he processes the scene in front of them, him, even though it's not, quote, real, it's a play. So, so what was this play Paulina was in and why did you decide to include this sort of meta aspect in the documentary <laughs> it's the first time that someone asked me that uh yeah it's a it's a play that was about um disappearings during dictatorship and places that militaries make tortures and uh, she was the main character of the play and I decided to to put it because, of course, that was really related of the with the history that Augusto worked with, and at the same time, I I wanted to put it because um, for me it was very special how she decided to bring him to her work, like. She, they were a couple that decided together to do not be isolated from the world. Of course, that COVID made that to them. But before mm -hmm. that, uh, mm -hmm. they were socializing all the time. Like, he went to her job. They went to parties. And it was the first time that I saw a person with dementia uh. so connected to the world. Uh. And and for me, it's it was the best example of how we have to under, understand the caregivers and the people that work with her in the theater, integrate him, and he make the rehearsal of every play, every topic, like he was there and he was really connected to the world, even if sometimes probably she can pass for embarrassing situation, she was never embarrassed to be there with him. And, and I think that it's the brave, way to deal with the Alzheimer on that period of the disease. Yeah, and a topic that often winds up in real life with people kind of getting hidden uh, that you bring into light and like anything else that falls into that category, um, so instructive and so potentially helpful to everybody else who might be in that scene. Like, for example, even though this is a couple experiencing the devastation of Alzheimer's disease, uh, we get to see Paulina and Augusto joke around and be incredibly loving and playful. Um, I want to ask you what about one one other scenes in the one of the other scenes in the movie, and and then I'll ask you what you think it would mean um, to yourself or the world um, if this film actually wins the Oscar for Best Feature Length Documentary. The scene is that, or collection of scenes, some of the most difficult scenes involve Augusto not recognizing Paulina. 
and being afraid of losing his friends, but also losing his books. Why, why do you think the idea of losing his books even registered as a thing with him and troubled so much, troubled him so much? Yeah, the the book, I think that means so many things because we have a, a man that it's, it's very special situation because if, if we, as we saw it in the film, he never got aggressive. I think my theory, it's because that it's time that he, that he has an empty space in his memory. He has a Paulina help him to remember all the time. So he never like really missed the information because she's there patiently do it, help him to remember. But with the books, it's something that he lost a relationship with an object that was so meaningful to him because it's mean, of course, stories that he discovered alone. Uh, he has a TV program for many years in the Chilean televisions called The Show of the Books, where he interviewed um, authors of books. So he that, he, he's saying, like, I'm losing my friends. Like, the book for him was an excuse to speak with friends. And he yes. usually was sitting in a coffee in Chile and a coffee place with friends discussing books too. So uh, it was a way to be connected to the world for him, the book. And he's losing that in that moment. Like he's losing his connections to other worlds. And and I think that that is the meaning. And we all, I, I really connect with that scene. Like I really understand what a book can mean in many ways, and especially to him, yeah. So the other two nominated filmmakers who we've had on so far said if they win the Oscar for Best Documentary, it might actually help with the cause of democracy in Uganda in one case, or situation in the Middle East with respect to ISIS in the other case. Your story is is more personal, I think. I don't know if the... Oscar voters take sort of social impact into account or if they should, as opposed to which is just the best film um, in their in their opinions. But what would it mean to you or to the world if you actually win the Oscar? I think that if, if we take it in, yeah, in the social issues, of course, that for me, it's visibility for caregivers in a way that visibility of a person that it's really usually hide. And, and this year in each screening, I heard at least 10 persons that came to me and tell me I have a, a parent with dementia, a couple uh, grandparents, like, and I was, I had been very surprised of the quantity of people that it's dealing with these situations and how we don't see that in our day-by-day life. So that's mean that people live alone and isolated. Um, and I really think that it's a way to give visibility to caregivers and people that it's living through this. And 
and yeah, I think it's it's a mm-hmm. it's um it's also a film that helped us to understand something very simple. Or for me, it's a celebration of good life and good love. Like all of us are going to deal with illness, but it's depend of how you deal with that. What make the difference and what you're seeing in this film? I think for good me, it's life. a it's a it's a love story more in the context of the Alzheimer, but but a mm-hmm. celebration of good love. Yeah. Maite Alberde. That's a lot, by the way. That's uh, that's a lot <laughs> that it would mean. Director and producer of the Eternal <laughs> Memory, streaming on Paramount Plus for people who want to see it at home, and the latest uh, guest in our series with the makers of the five Oscar-nominated feature-length documentaries. Maite, Maite, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck. Thank you very much.